When we were at West Point a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, and Annette and I were, were sitting in our, we had a little Hobbit van actually, it was a strange little thing for those who saw it, it's, uh, it was a converted transit van, and um, uh, we could get in it, but nobody else could, <laughs> and Annette could only, Annette could only, uh, could only get to the cooker kneeling. So it's a bizarre sort of little thing. Anyway, enough of that. And um, we were, so we were at West Point, and a number of times we saw someone, and, uh, and Annette said to me at one point, she said, that looks like Will. And uh, I said, yeah, but it's not him. They're, they're not in a commission church. And um, didn't think any more of it. And uh, towards the end of the time at West Point, um, this girl comes up to us, and it was his wife called Ruth. And uh, she started talking to us, and she said, oh, hi, Annette, hi, Steve, little chat. And uh, I said, oh, is, is Will here? And she said, oh, yeah, he's behind you. And I turned around and said, oh, Will, this is really strange. We've seen someone we, that we thought looked like you several times over these last few days. And uh, we didn't know, uh, you know, obviously we didn't think you were here. He said, yeah, he said, Steve, you prayed for me on the first night. I'm like, oops. We, I actually conducted their marriage a few years ago. Oh, no, terrible. Right in front of my nose, and I didn't spot him. Our eyesight is really important. And, and, and spiritually, it's really important as well. But if I'm truthful, I've been honest with you tonight, probably the most frustrating question... And probably for most leaders that I talk to, the most frustrating question um, I get asked is, what's your vision? And uh, those of you who are at West Point, uh, who heard Phil Moore speaking, will remember what he said about, uh, about vision. And I'd really encourage you, if you were unable to get there, uh, listen to all the, the talks online. Phil Moore was outstanding. would really encourage you to download and listen to them. Um, there was some great stuff in it. But for those of you who don't know, know Phil Moore leads what used to be the New Frontiers uh, Church in Wimbledon. And uh, it's the first church that he's led. Uh, he started leading about the same time as I moved here from Hedge End. Um, the Wimbledon Church has three congregations meeting at different sites on Sundays. He reads the Bible in Hebrew and Greek. He's a great evangelist and he writes commentaries and if you've come across his Straight to the Heart series, have you seen them? They are outstanding commentaries. He's written about, probably by now, it's about 15 or 16 uh, of these Straight to the Heart series covering. And he's going to cover the Bible in the next couple of years. And he seems to do it all before breakfast. He is an outstanding leader. But he was saying that when he started leading the church, his father said to him, So Phil, what's your plan? And he said, as a result of it, he had a migraine for a week. And this is what he ultimately said to the church. He said, this is the plan. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm asking you to follow me as I follow him. Is that okay? Simon Holly in the King's Arms at Bedford says that we need to reject the pressure to have a master plan. Our security must come not from knowing the plan, but from knowing the one who knows the plan. And the plan is staying close to Jesus. I mean, to be honest, it seems a no-brainer to me. And yet, that's very easy to say that, but it, it could be an excuse for not knowing what sort of church God is calling us to be and where God is leading us. And uh, when... Uh, I, Annie's in the car with me and we're driving and I, I will very rarely go with directions or a map. I'll very rarely put on the GPS on my phone because I, I, I think I, I vaguely know where it is. And uh, when we're driving, she'll say to me, do you know where you're going? And I'll go, yeah, we're going over there. And uh, invariably we drive around a little bit and somehow my answer never seems to bring her peace and bring her calm as we're driving. It's unnerving, isn't it, when uh, someone who's driving the car doesn't know where they're going. When I came to the church uh, nearly five years ago now, 
I knew pretty much from the start what sort of church God wanted us to become. And back in March 2010, and John will uh, probably will be the only one now uh, who will remember me talking about it, I think. Um, Mark might remember as well, I'm not sure. Um, I uh, was taught, I basically, I talked then about the need to change the culture of the church. I talked about us becoming a church reaching a city. I talked about the need to develop our communications. I even talked about changing the name back then, moving the offices to the NBC and selling the building in Stanmore. And half the trouble with what you feel God has has said to you is that you sometimes have to wait. And it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. And in all of that, I don't feel that God was saying that what had happened before was in any way uh, not positive. It was all about God doing a new thing amongst us. And about 22 months ago, I heard God speak to me pretty clearly. I felt him say that there was going to be a wave coming that would change the landscape of the church. And most of you will remember that. I talked about it, but I talked about it in faith, believing that God was going to do it. And I remember praying like mad behind the scenes. (laughs) You know, I've said this, God, I believe you said it to me now. God, will you show up? And I believe that wave hit us in the turn of 2013 and over the next 10 months we sold Stanmore Lane to Level 10 Church, we built offices here at the NBC, we relocated everything to the centre of the city. It was a massive season of change and change as you know is always uncomfortable. Waves on the shore often stir up debris, they often don't look like they do in Hawaii, they often look grubby and dirty and uh, because of all the, the stuff that's been stirred up. And there have been, some, uh, pr- have been some messy moments over these last months. Kate Cascarini summed the process up, I think, when she said at the time, it felt like we were replanting the church in the heart of the city. So where are we going? Over there. No. God has very clearly spoken to us, I believe. I believe... This sums up where we're going. Our desire is to build a grace-filled community of Jesus followers bringing good news to Winchester and beyond. You'll all have heard that. Let it sink in. Our desire is to build a grace-filled community of Jesus followers bringing good news to Winchester and beyond. Of course, that's just a headline vision statement. But it does identify our core values of creating culture, of being a church, of Word and spirit, that's what creating culture is. Word and spirit, a church of the love, worship in prayer. The church that's Christ-centered, a church that's grace-filled. That's the sort of culture we're talking about. A church that builds community. Builds community in the church itself, in the neighborhood, in the, our workplaces, in the city and beyond. And it's a church that communicates good news through what we say and what we do. These are the foundations of the church. And this is the foundation that we're going to be building off in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. I've talked a lot about that over recent months. I'm the sort of person who hates being pressured. And if I feel that someone's pushing me, I instinctively dig my heels in. And that will tell you that's true. I probably need to do the marriage course again. But one consequence of that is that I tend to think saying something once is enough. I think that people have heard me. And there have been many times over the years where I've thought that to be true. And I've clearly found out later that the other person hasn't heard at all very clearly what I've said. And numerous people over these last months have said I need to keep talking about these things which I've tried to do. But tonight I'm going to get some other people involved who I believe exhibit some of the things that I've been talking about over these recent months. So in a moment, I'm going to ask them to come up and join me. They're going to come and sit here on the uh, sofa. I'm going to sit here in the chair. It's going to be a bit like Graham Norton. Probably be, probably be, a, probably be a bit better. Better. 
Ange has spent a lot of time at the King's Arms in Bedford, which is becoming an increasingly significant church. In particular, the culture of the church is very distinctive. Emma, with her husband Jeremy, is our West Point host and does a fantastic job. She is clearly committed to building community. And Nikki is passionate about Jesus. It simply oozes out of every pore. And so I'm going to ask the three of them to come and uh, join me on stage. Please give them a big hand. I think they're probably feeling a little bit nervous. Okay, it feels a bit like an interview panel. Hopefully I'll get the job at the end, but... um, you let me know. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm going to start, start with you, Ange. Ange, I know you've loved spending time at the King's Arms in Bedford. What did you find so attractive about the church? I think what I find really attractive about the church is the culture. I absolutely love the culture. I think culture, um, like Steve was saying, is a bit of a lifestyle of behaviour that you can carry into different places, um, demonstrated to everyone you meet, whether it's people at work, at home, your work colleagues, um, it's also something that's intentionally built. So it was a culture that they intentionally built there for what, at least six years now. And I'm really excited that actually as a church, as Hope Church, we're looking into what our culture is and to carry that with us outside of church life as well. Um, the culture I experienced at King's Arms was a very Christ-centered and grace-filled values that we're establishing as Hope Church as well. And it was shown through loads of different ways, through authenticity and loving people, um, accepting people, honouring and encouraging people, and being authentic. That was kind of the main things that really stood out to me about their culture. I mean, Angie, it's, it's really easy to use words uh, like that. I mean, perhaps you could put a little bit more meat on those. What, what, do, what do those words mean? So acceptance and love, that's being Christ-centered and grace-filled because Jesus loved and accepted people all the time. So one example was just that literally the second week that I was doing this course, I was chatting to Sue, well, I wasn't chatting to her, actually. Uh, Sue, someone who I knew by sight, came up to me, and she said, and it's great to see you, you're amazing, and gave me a great big hug, like a proper hug. Now, I didn't know her, she didn't know me, and I hadn't done anything yet, but through those words, I was loved, I was valued, I was accepted straight away. Um, Yep. I think that's great. I'm going to ask John to do that to me every morning in work. Great, do it. It's see, if it's do, see if he'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Encourage him to do it. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, it's fine. Um, I think that as a church, we're great at welcoming people and accepting others. Um, but just as a challenge, do we show people we love and accept them with our words and a hug? And, and to people that we don't know as well. Actually, Sue didn't know me at all. Like, you know, we'd seen each other across you know, the room. That was it. But actually, what she said was truth. And we can all do that. Um, so another one was honouring and encouraging others in both words and heart. Um, I love this so much. I love kind of that culture of honour and encouragement. It's so much fun. It calls out greatness in people. It's hugely releasing. It honours God as well because um, it's honouring the gifts that he has put in people as well as the breakthroughs that he is making happen. Um, it's being Christ-centred. Jesus modelled it, didn't he? He honoured the Father, honoured the Holy yeah. Spirit, um, honouring okay. and loving those that he met. And again, just a few examples of, of what that looks like. So shown in loads of different ways through introductions to people. So the first day that I was on this particular course, a friend introduced me to somebody and she said to this person, oh, Suzanne, this is Ange. Um, she's an amazing woman of God. She's pioneering things. And then she carried on for like another 20 seconds. I've never received an introduction up until that point like that. But actually, how could we do that on a Sunday morning? When we're talking with people or at work, when we're introducing people, actually really encouraging and honoring people in our introductions celebrating the breakthroughs of others as people share stories about what God has done, honouring, encouraging those that take faith risks, whether they're faith risks that have gone well or not so well. Um, So how about making time in your community groups each week to share stories of breakthroughs and faith risks? You know, hearing stories stirs me to step out. And actually, when I haven't been stepping out, it stirs me more to do that. And it also stirs me to worship God at the same time because you're honouring, you know, what God's doing and it's exciting. Um, so even just a few weeks back, I heard about a friend who prayed for a piano student's vision, um, which got a bit better the following week. But that really provoked me, actually, in just my life and who I'm you know, spending time with. Also, in terms of honouring, verbally encouraging or speaking courage to people, giving courage to people before they do something, cheering them on. Um, honouring people who serve you tea and coffee, the person who serves you a coffee in Starbucks or wherever you go for your coffee, cleaning your office. 
the guy who's attending the toilets when you're out shopping, thank you so much. You do such a great job. We so appreciate you. Actually honouring people when you're out and about. Um, honouring them as well because of who they are, not just because of what they do. And I think as a church, we're great at encouraging each other and saying thank you for doing stuff. But actually, are our words honouring and building others up? Um, or are they sarcastic? Are they putting people down? Are we talking about what's going on in the lives of others? Do we speak courage to people before they do something or encourage them for just being them, not because of what they're doing? And I think those three things, like honour, encouragement, acceptance, being loved, that's a powerful combination which enables us to be the best version of us and to be free. And a part of their culture is love asking good questions. So I'm just going to throw one out. Is do people leave you feeling encouraged and the best version of themselves when they spend time with you? Because actually they could do if you're really honouring and encouraging people. We can draw that out of them. And the last one is authenticity. People are astounding in that culture, being real and authentic, really quick and at a deep level, both of the ups and downs of life. And I think as you're real and authentic, then other people are real and authentic with you as well. And what I mean by that is when you're, someone's saying to you, how are you? Not just saying, I'm fine, I'm all right, but actually giving a real answer, taking a step further. Actually, I've got a headache today, or I'm struggling a bit with being single at the moment. If someone asked you right now, how are you? What would you say? You might say you're okay, but there might be you know, a step further that you could take. Um, being encouraged to have a few people that know everything about you, so your life story, not having one thing that no one knows about, so being authentic. And again, asking good, authentic questions, yet always pointing to the Father. So questions like, what sin are you running away from at the moment? When did you last give in to fear? When were you last courageous? Those questions help us to grow and become more Christ-like. And when you're hanging out with a friend, and this happened to me over the summer with two different friends, um, one asked me, what's Jesus speaking to you about at the moment? And somebody else said, how's your heart? Just as we're hanging out together and catching up in conversation. And then as well, in terms of authenticity, being quick to admit mistakes, which enables grace to be shown. So I remember on the course, one of the guys who was um, part of the leadership team on the course just apologized to everyone for a behavior that was just a little bit silly. And he wanted to tell us to break the shame in relation to that. Um, But because God's grace covers and restores us, as a grace-filled culture there, we got to show love, grace, acceptance, and to honor him in terms of being authentic. And I think as a church, we're great at showing grace to people, But just to throw it out there, when was the last time you apologized or admitted a mistake to other people? I think authenticity takes courage. It helps stop comparison. It allows people to love you, so the real you. It helps build genuine community. So just encourage us as Hope Church to to be a church where authenticity is part of who we are as we live grace-filled, Christ-centered lives. Thanks, Ange. Now, being authentic... Being authentic is, is really important. And that, that question, what sin are you running away from at the moment? I'm going to ask two people very quickly to come out. I'm going to ask Sean and Matt to come out. They do know I'm going to do this. Okay. Matt, tell us what you and Matt Otto and Andy Wall have been doing together recently. Um, so a little while ago we went to a youth leaders uh, conference and while we were there we, uh, the three of us felt quite challenged uh, about how we were spending our time and that we were inputting into some of these youth's lives but who was inputting into ours and who was encouraging us and um, so the three of us decided that uh, we would start meeting up um, so we try and meet up about once every three weeks um, and just to kind of build uh, deeper friendships with each other I think as uh, a guy I was like oh I know several of the guys in church but I don't have a deep deeper friendship with them someone who I feel I can really trust and who can ask me some of those authenticity type questions um, and so yeah we've just started meeting up we're becoming better friends and we're starting to ask each other those questions um, when there's times that are challenging we can get in touch with each other and offer to pray and it's just helped kind of me realise that I'm part of a community, I guess, that I'm sharing with these guys as well. Matt, tell us the killer question you asked each you told me about. About what sin... Oh. (laughs) I can't remember, Steve. Um, (laughs) I think it was just that kind of, yeah, like, what is it that you're finding really hard at the moment? A bit like people have said. What is it that's getting you down? Or what is it that is on your heart... um, that's you know stopping you from maybe getting close to God. Yeah, I remember it as being what is the what is the 
the one thing you oh, wouldn't yeah. want anyone else oh, yeah. Yeah, to ask you. <laughs> one thing. I, yeah. I was going to say, what was it? But I won't yeah. do that. <laughs> okay, Sean. Now, I know that about for the last 18 months, you've been meeting up with Josh. Do you want to just tell us what, how that happened and what's, what's been... I was sweating then for a minute because I thought you were going to ask me what sin it was I was going to run away from, so I'm quite relieved. That's the second question. Okay, all right. Um, I guess uh, about 18 months ago, actually it's an interesting situation now because, Steve, you're almost the broker. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? uh, Where I guess... uh, There was no commission in it, though. No, well, sadly, no. Um, I guess where Josh was kind of... um, um, looking um, for sort of encouragement. I would say I want to use the word discipleship loosely because effectively what's happened over the last 18 months, discipleship to me gives a feeling of almost it's one way and where we've ended up is a great relationship uh, of one I would say of mutual encouragement, spurring each other on, um, one where we are so well fed, so well looked after in this church, but applying what we learn, what we're taught into our everyday lives and everyday situations. Praying for each other, being accountable um, to each other, asking some very, very tough, difficult questions, um, and just mutually encouraging. Yeah, it's been great. Brilliant. I just wanted to get them up because I just wanted to see that behind the scenes there's all sorts of stuff. Like I didn't know that, that Matt was doing that until we were at West Point. We were having a coffee together. We just had some time together. We were chatting, and Matt, it just came out in a conversation. And I just want to encourage you that being authentic and being real is really, it's, it's what God wants us to be like. And that means opening the doors and allowing people in uh, to the, the, the dark recesses sometimes. So you can, and once it's out in the light, the enemy has no, no hold and it stops him having a foothold. Guys, thank you ever so much. Let's give him a warm hand. Okay, Emma, tell us why you're so passionate about the church being a genuine community. I think God has really been talking to, talking to me personally about what community really means at the moment. And I've been looking at the life of Jesus. His life is a heart that's full of compassion and full of love. And he genuinely cares for people doesn't he Jesus was just he just stood next to someone and loved them and knew their need and tried to meet that meet that need and um as I was looking at Jesus life he wants to reflect the father's heart so Jesus looks to what the father is doing and responds to the father and then acts through that and I that's my heart that I understand who Jesus is that I then know the father's heart then I will then respond to what the, what the Father is also saying in compassion and love and drawing alongside people, bringing freedom and grace and mercy and seeing captives set free, all of that. That's what I lo- absolutely long for, which I believe that community is part of that. And also looking at Matthew, the Great Commission and the Great Command is to love your God with all your heart, um, mm. with all your mind, with all your body, and um, yeah, to good. love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. And I've that first of all it's loving God with all your heart and then out of that you love your neighbor so if you think about yourself and about how much you do for yourself and you feed yourself clothe yourself you fulfill your needs and um actually we are to do the same to other people and um that's just the starting point I believe but out of that also I've been reading Acts and um I was just so challenged about um, if you look, when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came and uh, the word was preached with boldness and signs and wonders happened and um, um, actually community was built within that. So sandwiched between the word of God being preached and signs and wonders happening is the community was built. So the community was that every need was met. Mm. No one went out without yeah. anything. Um, everyone had everything in common, which is amazing, which I sometimes go, I have no idea how that actually works, but that's <laughs> God help me. Um, and, uh, the, uh, and that people were loved deeply and they met each other's needs and hearts were changed through that. So sandwiched between the gospel being preached and the Holy Spirit moving, there is community built. So that's, that's why I'm passionate about it. So when you, you think of Hope Church building genuine community, what do you see? Yeah, I see sort of three points. Um, I absolutely long for a church which is passionate for God, 
to see the power of the Holy Spirit come, passionate for the church and learning and taking risks together and um, that that is built up in each one of us. And the other one is, I was really encouraged by what Pauline brought earlier, a place to belong and a place to be valued. That's what our church is to be. We've got to value each other and we've got to feel like we belong next to each other. And that gathers people in and draws people next to us in our church. We are gather together and once we love God with our heart mind and body and see the power of God come actually there's no walls and we then go do the same with those around us um, the way that we live and the way that we honor people is reflected through that and um, I just want to share one thing is that um, I God talks to me quite a lot of my dreams and sometimes they mean nothing and sometimes they mean something and I went to her completely scared I went to her and told her and said I believe this is you and she said to me Mm, I don't think that. No, that God gives us. No, that He just then will tell you that He loves, loves you. So I thought, oh, that's my sister. So she, oh my goodness, that's my sister. So I talked about her sister, and so what? And uses all of our gift. It doesn't just happen in the church. Yeah, church and actually, yeah. our community outside is inside. And the last one, physically, and that we hold everything lightly that we try and meet each other's needs and have our needs met, that we're vulnerable and um, honest with one another, um, sort of built on what Angie's saying as well. And most of all, the final thing in that bit is that we are family. We're each other's brother and sister, mum and dad, um, daughter and son. So each one of us will have a different role next to each other, and that is what we're to be. And say, God, what do you want me to be to the person who I'm sitting next to now? Am I a brother or sister? Am I a daughter or son? You know, what, what do you want me to be to mm. that person? So, yeah, that's a, So, how that's can we practically do that mm. as we become Hope Church? How can okay. we practically make that happen? Okay, so practically, um, I want to sort of share what I see for myself and then bring it back into the church. Of course, being really talking to me about having two open hands. One hand is an open hand for friendship, that that friendship is to love and to care for, to be hurt and still have an open hand, to love and still have an open hand of friendship, and that will never close. And the other hand is to have all that I own and all that I have is not my own which is a real challenge, so that my house has an open door and my house never, door never closes whether my carpet is hoovered or not. And that, um, that all, that in, the, you know, in, in Acts it talks about that nothing is our own and that's a real challenge. I don't understand how that fully works, but I hope, and Jeremy is not here so he hasn't heard this, <laughs> that everything is not my, it's, it's not <laughs> our own, you know, so um, how that works I'm not sure. Um, okay, but practically, so the events we have on church are amazing. All the women's and men's events, the prayer events, the uh, West Point, the gather, um, the children's things, all sorts of things. There are events that build community and it's us, our responses are we want to build community, then we go. That's, if we want to build community as a church, we've got to be there. We've got to ask the person next to us what they did the day before and find out something really interesting about them and, and loving them and finding out what that is. So I think the events are vehicles for us to come in community. They are not the final thing. That does not build community. It's the people's, our personal responses yeah, to those good. events and to the person very next good. to us. Um, so that is our decision. I believe that our, our decision to build community has to start with us. Um, last couple of things are that we're full of the spirit that we long for the presence of God that out of the presence of God everything else happens so that we long to see the signs and wonders we long to ask God for more power that affects each other ourselves and the community outside and that we ask God what is on your heart what is on your heart for the people around us? What is on our heart? What's on your heart for this city? And then as we know God's heart, our hearts will grow in bigness to be able to accept what God is doing and step out in faith because we understand what is on his heart. And for Hope Church, that was what I long for, is that no person is needy in our church, that we meet each other's needs. That means that we're vulnerable and honest with one another. And I long for our church to be a church of community. Yeah. Emma, that's fantastic. Thank you. Okay, Nikki. I'm really glad you've come out of retirement, Mike. <laughs> Did you get that, Michael Parkinson? Michael not. Parkinson. Oh, right. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Too highbrow. Yeah. Um, Nikki, over the last few years, I've, I, what I really noticed is I know, I've noticed your passion for talking about Jesus. 
Um, tell us why that is. Um, since becoming a Christian at the age of 19, um, I have always just had a real passion about sharing the good news. Because when I was saved, God captivated my heart. That's yeah. what he did. He captivated my heart. And um, as I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking about, I guess, the key things for me are my security is in him. Mm. I trust him. I, you know, hand on heart, I can trust him. I believe his word. Mm. I know that he is God. And his, his character, um, in my experience is never shaken. His word says it's never shaken. Mine, on the other hand, my character, dubious. But, and even though when I was saved, God captivated my heart and my confidence within him, obviously as you grow up, which I, obviously I've done because I'm now 21, um, <laughs> you know... Well, you're older than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you just... It just becomes more more solid. So, and um, I mean, Steve, you said to me about sort of men- mentioning, you know, a couple of years ago when I had uh, breast cancer. And actually, you know, even though this was a massive, massive thing yeah. for those family and wonderful friends and everything around me, it was no different mm. from the times in my life, yeah. you know, from other times in my life, as it were, because... Um, it was an incredible opportunity to continue to want to share the love I have of Jesus with others. You know, captive audience sat in the waiting room. You know, you're all there for a given cause. You're all there either hairless or falling to pieces and being sick and stuff. So it was great because I didn't even have to go looking for people to talk to. (laughs) They were there, which was lovely. But... When you know God, God gives you a love for other people. And do you know what? I have to say, you know, if you you feel that God hasn't captivated your heart, then ask him to. Because the only... Actually, that's wrong. I was going to say the only way to kind of live the reality of that is is for him to captivate your heart. But you've got to know him, to know him, to know him. And so for me, the security I had... Ordinarily remained. So, um, I mean, we met people. It was incredible. We met people that were um, Colin and I, that were Christians. That was great because that was that kind of. They were with us all the way through the chemo and radiotherapy. So that was a kind of link, and so that was great. But we met many, many people. You know, older ladies that didn't have anybody to go to their chemo with and hospital appointments. That's absolutely brutally tragic. You know. You know, if nothing else, we need to be the people that mm. do that. So I was really grateful to God that I could be that. What mm. a brilliant privilege yeah. to to be able to just love and be kind and be gentle. And it's not rocket science, you know. Yeah. It's just easy to do. So yeah. So so tell us about what you're now doing with Wessex Cancer. And yeah. I mean, obviously, it's obvious why you're doing it. Yeah. But tell tell us a bit about it. Um, I work at Winchester Cancer Support Centre and have um, been working there three days a week um, since before the summer I got offered a job there. I had previously been a volunteer there. And um, it's in the centre of town, so if you know anybody who's got cancer or you know a family, friend, member, whatever, pop in, it's a drop-in and there's therapists and stuff. So what I do now is, if the photocopier goes wrong, I'm your gal. (laughs) If the... um, if I can't promise to amend it but um you know so I'm an administrator I can't you know keep everything going and also I'm help manage the all the volunteers there and stuff so I I love being with them because they're all there for a reason they want to serve their heart is to help the people that come in who might be bereaved bereft whatever you know um and so I'm meeting with them but also I get the opportunity to talk with the clients that come in um and for example recently We've had a lovely family come in. A lady has um, been in, and her name was Margaret, and her husband comes in, and her daughter, who's married and expecting a second child and things. Anyway, since in the last few months, Margaret, the lady, has died. So we have, you know, we have the privilege 
of continuing to support her family through that. So it's a real hands-on. It's real. It's authentic. It's you know. It's honest. It's um, loving. It's caring by very nature of what it is. It's got to be that. And I absolutely love it. Absolutely wonderful. Love it. Yeah. It's wonderful. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. So Nikki, what would you love Hope Church to become like? <laughs> That's massive, isn't it? Um, my, my prayer, I think, more than anything, is that, that people get that God is, is God, that he, his character is never shaken, and he is God, no matter what dilemma, yeah. no matter what decision, no matter what yeah. thought process you're going through, he is God. And ultimately, he... Um, you know, he, he, has, he has to be part. He wants to be part. He longs to be part mm. of everything. We must never do anything out of obligation because I think we, we misunderstand what, yeah. what it's about. Right. And to be, I mean, it's all these things, isn't it? It's about being authentic. It's about honoring one another, encouraging one another, giving people a hug. And, you know, I was thinking today about, um, about tonight, and I was thinking God wants us to have confidence in him. And I think often mm. when we talk about ourselves, like I hesitate always to do this sort of thing. I think, oh, you know me and because I don't find it difficult to talk (laughs) but actually that confidence in Jesus is not arrogance confidence in Jesus is confidence in Jesus not in of ourselves and we one of my favorite verses in the Bible is I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God and salvation of the souls of those who believe and actually oh that we would be in that place I'm gonna make some notes it's brilliant it's good stuff that place to know that yeah. So know that. Amazing. And that, yeah. Fantastic. Nikki, thank you so much. Okay, as so we just sort of come into land on this, Ange, I, I know you want us as a church to experience more of God's presence. Tell us quickly why. Um, why? I think spending time in his presence transforms you, ultimately. Um, I think it's it's fun to spend time in his presence. You know, it says, you know, there's joy in his presence, isn't there? Doesn't it? And, um, yeah, I think just spending time in his presence is brilliant. And, and to be a people where we're full of God's presence, as we worship God, as we're kind of preaching you know, and doing preachers and the everydayness, um, all of that. I think part of the King's Arms culture, the part of the course that I was on was being encouraged to be naturally supernatural. Um, and I was just thinking about it on Sunday and thinking about tonight and, and just as we were worshipping I just loved seeing two people separately who were both listening to the Holy Spirit walk over to pray with two different people just as part of our worship time they were prioritising his presence um, it's so great isn't it having a ministry time each Sunday they're praying for people and I love seeing people you know chat to people and pray with people over having a coffee at the back on a Sunday and it, even and last Sunday I met with Danny um, before church in a coffee shop and at the end of us kind of chatting together she just kind of reached her hand over and shut her eyes and prayed for me and I'm looking in the mirror thinking oh, someone's going to walk in in a minute and see this <laughs> Danny hurry up but like she was prioritising his presence you know she was listening to him as we were chatting and I was chatting with her I think it's brilliant um and just, you know, a, a question, really, are we naturally supernatural in and out of church? You know, we often pray for people inside church, but how, you know, supernatural are we outside of church? Um, prophesying over a waitress when you're out for a meal, why not? We do it in church, why not do it outside of church? Offering to pray for healing, speaking to illnesses, situations, uh, you know, as friends, colleagues complain about a headache or a facing surgery, you know, We'd pray for them inside church. Why not offer or love them, send them, you know, give them a hug, kind of stuff we've chatted about. But it's prioritising his presence and asking yeah. God, I think, what he wants you yeah. to do in those situations. Um, and just to throw it out here as well, just a couple of questions. Have you been aware of the Holy Spirit's presence during your day-to-day? Have you chatted or listened to him? And how can we as Hope Church, how can we be naturally supernatural, be part people of the world and spirit? That's what we're building, isn't it? Who prioritises presence? And um, I was just thinking about the whole thing of, of us looking at our culture tonight, just to ask yourself two questions in terms of all of this, everything that's kind of been said tonight, is what area are you strongest in, in terms of our culture, for you yourself? Yeah, and good. what area do you need to grow in? Yeah. How do you think you can grow in it? And what will that look like? Because yeah. we can all grow in it as well. So. That's fantastic. I want you to give them all a big hand. They have said what I couldn't say. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much.
I'm just quickly going to uh, get Emma, Emma Perrett to come out wherever Emma is. And uh, Emma was sharing something with me in the worship, and it, I think it just fits with some of this. Come on, t- tell us what you, you shared with me earlier. Um, well, it, it's really on, I was prompted to... Tis, tis on on Friday. No, it isn't. I just switched it off. <laughs> okay, got me. Um, I was prompted to come up after Pauline came forward, because I thought, oh my goodness me, that's exactly where I'm at. And um, just to fill you in, Barney, um, who's 19 today, happy birthday, Barney, he, um, he met a guy at New Day called Baz, and um, Baz is uh, 25, I think, and he's, he stayed with us um, after New Day. He came and stayed, and his, his dad was a pastor. I think this is sort of right. His dad was a pastor, um, and he was shot, sadly, when Baz was a lad, um, and his mum uh, works very high up in the NHS, and she's in um, Dubai, right? Yeah. She's in Dubai, and he sees his mum about once a year. Um, he's done a degree in neuroscience, so he's a super bright guy, um, and then he spent a year doing, um, working with underprivileged kids, and he's decided to go back to uni and re- um, do medicine so he's going to join the two together so he's going to work with kids who've got um, mental issues which is really admirable um, but he's I, I've noticed when he's been staying with us that he's really connected with us as a family he hasn't got a, fa- a family around him he's an only child isn't he is that yeah um, and uh, he's 25 and uh, you know, the boys are growing up, and I kind of had got to a point of saying no more sleepovers, kids, because they're men, really, in the house, and I was putting some washing away the other day, and they're not up, and then I meet them on the landing in their pants, and I'm thinking, this is so inappropriate, and so I'd kind of got to the point of saying, no, that's it now, we had a discussion with the kids and said, right, Barney, after your birthday, no more sleepovers, um, and we've always had kids sleeping over, and so and kids have been part of the family, we fostered little boys, lots of people know, um, and so I'd kind of, but I felt really burdened, really troubled because Baz has not got any family and he's, I could feel he was really connecting with us and, but I thought, no, I'm going out. He was there yesterday in the afternoon and I, I thought, no, I'm going to go out because he's Barney's mate and he doesn't need to kind of make that connection with me. I didn't, didn't want it actually. Um, so I went, I bought a coffee, Costa coffee, um, and took a magazine and I, I, was kind of I felt like God wanted to speak to me and I just was thinking I really don't want to go there these kids are too big to be in my home they're all men and you know now young men um but anyway I walked up I thought right I'm going to walk to this really nice bench which is right at the top of the field and I walked up there and on the back of this bench was Baz and it said loved yesterday to today and always and it was a memorial. And I said, well, what are you saying, Lord? Is, is he going to die? Because I could do without that as well. Re- you know, really. But I didn't think God was saying that to me. But I just, you know, when you just think, oh, you've got to be clearer than that. Because I don't, I don't know what you're saying, Lord. Um, so anyway, I, then I had this magazine, I'd, a free magazine that I'd picked up. And so I just opened the magazine. And it said, the headline was, An Orphan from Heaven. Um, good to grow and it was about an apple tree actually but it was the headline it was an orphan from heaven and I just thought oh okay Lord you you want him in and we're gonna have to put boundaries in you know he can't walk around in his pants it's just not on but he he's God is I just feel that God's saying Emma you let him into your family and be a family to him so we will I hope you can see that all these things that we're talking about, about culture, about community, about communicating the gospel, they overlap. And I want these next uh, months to be a drawstring moment, you know, like where you draw everything together, pull everything together, really draw them together. For me, this, the getting our culture right is crucial. 
We're to be a people of word and spirit, worship, prayer, Christ-centered, grace-filled. If we get our culture right, community and sharing the gospel must flow out of it. And all the things, uh, of all the things we've talked about, we need to keep working at them. Bad habits are like ruts in the road. It takes concerted effort to get out of them. We have ruts, we have habitual ways of thinking that I believe God wants to break down. And bit by bit we need to keep working on them. And um, when we draw this together, it's what I've called the sweet spot. It's, it's where those three things are, community, culture, communicating the gospel, all hit that moment in the middle. That is when we will be most fruitful. And uh, over this next season, that is what we're going to be focused on. I'm going to ask John to come. And uh, John's going to just share a few things, and then he's going to lead us, probably just pray, to, yeah, just pray. pray together. I, yeah, we'll... Uh, is it on? I have switched it off this time, yeah. That's, that was me. Okay. Ooh, that's on again. Um, we're going to pray, basically, in a moment, as we finish, last five minutes, but... Um, I just want to say to you, I said it Sunday, that was more like off the cuff, to be honest. You really do need to make sure you come to both these. This is superb tonight, I hasten to say. But built on tonight, there will be some very interesting, exciting aspects to what Steve shares next week. And it all comes together and makes sense in terms of the Hope Church, in terms of some of the ways that uh, God has clearly inspired both Steve and actually John. John Attill has been very creative and helpful. How we're going to present things, what they're physically and visually going to look like when we we go with the new Hope Church thing. It really is good. I can't overstate it. I mean it. And, And it's building on these very, very valuable insights into the values tonight. Um, and into the, the culture and things. I mean, that's superb. It's been really good to listen to those, everybody. And uh, I, I really, if all I do is this, is say, make sure you're here next week. Because I think the two, I'll have two wheels of a bicycle. They do go together. Now, I know some go, oh, I can't, I've got, you know, well, all right, listen to it online. But you will miss out, actually, because there's quite a lot of visual next week. And you need to be here to see it, really, never mind. Um, but that's how it, how it is. I just want to say to you, I do believe this is a very, very important moment for the church. I think the relaunch uh, of the church, the sort of replant in the city centre, launching Hope Church as a name, I think it's a very important moment. I think the name change is, is absolutely right and appropriate, perhaps in some ways a little overdue, because I, but I think it's there now and it's come at the right moment with us here in the city centre as well. And I suppose if I just try to sum things up before we pray briefly, I think as we look through this Ruth um, series, mini-series through Ruth, it's, it's obvious that, um, probably take Naomi really, at the beginning, the very beginning, she might have expected that she was going to have grandchildren by her sons in Moab with these two very nice Moab ladies who, who do seem both quite nice, really. Uh, apart from Ruth, the other one's quite good, can't remember her name. Orpha. Yeah, you know, they both seem good wives and all the rest of it. And I assume she would have thought, right, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be a grandmother here in Moab with these nice uh, wives my husbands, my sons have got. And, of course, it all went really wrong. It never worked out like that at all. We've been looking at that. But at the end, as Steve finished on, on Sunday, she has this little boy in her arms, this grandson. And in a sense, actually, she's in a better place in some ways. She's in Israel, not Moab. She's in Bethlehem, house of bread. And what we know is that this little boy is of the line of the kinsman redeemer, Jesus, the Messiah. But even from an Israel's history point of view, this is going to be just in two or three generations, King David's his grandfather, King David. So there's all sorts of amazing things that have happened. And yet the reality is it's not as, as I'm sure Naomi would have perhaps expected or even quite wished her two boys are still uh, buried back in Moab. But it's a very happy moment as the actual plan of God comes through. And, and she experiences something of what she perhaps had always hoped to have, um, this little grandson in her arms. And I think for me, there's a little bit here where I think God's spoken a lot of things over this church, some of the things in Greg's time and some in my time as leaders, as lead uh, uh, elders. And sometimes you think, wow, this isn't quite working out like I expected. 
And some of that is, is not, not always comfortable. It's not like, oh, this isn't, I thought it would have worked this way. But I have a real growing sense that we are going to see some of those things in our arms. It will have perhaps been a different pathway, but I think in the end it will be a more complete and substantial work. Like, actually, Naomi's position is. It's better, really. She's in Israel. She's in Bethlehem. And this is the line of David. She's not in Moab, just with a nice little family around her. I'm sure there are some things she has suffered and she wished she hadn't. But she somehow comes to a place of realizing God is bigger than my ideas and plans. And God can still do amazing things. And I think I have that sense about us as a church. That it really is like a little bit of a a moment when we launch the name. Not just that weekend, because that's only part of a whole process. But it's it's what we're in, the phase we're in. There's something of that, something special happening and in our arms. And I think God is on our case. And we're going to see many of the things that we have hoped and dreamed for. Maybe a slightly different path to what we might have anticipated for many of us. But I do believe there's some exciting times ahead. So... Let's pray as we finish. I've probably only got two or three minutes. I was going to do it in groups, but I actually think probably I haven't got time for that. Let's stand together so we can all pray together rather than um, just in groups. I think we want to keep faith with time, and we're only two or three minutes off half past nine. I'd like you just to pray for God's hand on this whole launch phase that we're in for Hope Church. It has always got a little bit of conflict about it. I know not heavy stuff, but just feel, cool. Satan doesn't like anything new. But I, let's pray that we have a, a, really, um, a really exciting, fruitful time, this, 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 literally this season, this autumn, as we launch Hope Church, as we have a number of special events, as we have Alpha on the back of that. Let's pray we see some real breakthroughs and blessings, see people saved, obviously. Let's pray for God's help. Let's pray for his spirit, to be honest. Let's pray for all the things that we've heard about this evening.